Good morning. Robbie, am I on in here? Yes, there we go. All right, thank you. <clears throat> Excuse me. All right, so first thing I'll say is Happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there. Uh, it's unfortunate that we have to celebrate it apart like this, but we still want to wish everyone a happy, happy Mother's Day and thankful for all our mothers out there. Uh, let's get started in a word of prayer, and then we'll uh, get into class. Dear God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the many blessings that you give us, Lord, and we just thank you for the opportunity we have to assemble the, and, and learn your, from your word and to hopefully take the things that we learn and apply it to our lives and, and help us to, to apply it to the way we are with others and, and the way we take the word out to others and, and bring those that hopefully you know, bring others to you through that, Lord. I just ask that you be with us as we still go or still going through this uh, COVID-19 pandemic situation, Lord. Just ask that you help us get through the other side of this quickly. It seems like it's, it's slowing down and, and things are, 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 are starting to drop off a little bit and we just ask that you continue that. Allow that to happen and allow those who are sick and suffering from this to recover and, and get back to a normal way of life, Lord. With it being Mother's Day, Lord, we just thank you for all of our mothers, those who have helped us in our lives and, and been there for us and just have a special place in our hearts, Lord. We just thank you for for, for the, the blessing that is mothers. And it's in Christ we pray. Amen. <clears throat> all right, so... Uh, we're still doing our, our, our Day in the Life series. I think we're going to have one, maybe two more weeks of this. Uh, we'll, we'll see. It depends on how um, next week goes, whether it splits into two different um, weeks or, or one. Uh, but just to review for those who have not had a, a chance to or has not been following us, if this is your first time, basically what we're doing is we're going and looking through and trying to put ourselves in other people's shoes and, and spending a lot, what I'm calling a day. It's not really just a day, but a day in their lives of, of, and trying to show empathy and, and, and learn what it may be like to, to be through these different situations. And we've looked everything from people who've never stepped foot in a church to people who've grown up in the church and just the different ways that you know, things can happen and, and, and the different responses that we can see. And I'm going to go through my two definitions again, and then uh, two verses that we're, we're trying to use for the theme of this. The first one's sympathy. Sympathy is a shared feeling, usually of sorrow, pity, or compassion for another person. You show concern for another person when you feel sympathy for them. So sympathy is a good um, feeling to have for someone. But what I want us to try to do and for us to push to is getting to empathy. Empathy is a stronger than sympathy. It's the ability to put yourself in the place of another and understand someone else's feeling by identifying with them. So the difference between sympathy and empathy is sympathy, you, you, you feel sorry for them, you feel bad for what they're going through. Empathy is you, you actually try to put yourself in their shoes and feel what they're feeling and kind of understand where they're, they're coming from. And the two Bible verses that I'm kind of using around this, uh, the first one, is 1 Corinthians 9, 19 through 23. It says, Even though I am a free man with no master, I have become a slave to all people to bring many to Christ. When I was with the Jews, I lived like a Jew to bring the Jews to Christ. When I was with the house uh, who followed the Jewish law, I too lived under that law, even though I am not subject to the law. I did this so I could bring to Christ those who are under the law. When I am with the Gentiles who do not follow the Jewish law, I too live apart from the law 
so I can bring them to Christ. And again, this is the important part here. But I do not ignore the law of God. I obey the law of Christ. So in our, even in our empathy and trying to put ourselves in other people's shoes, you know, and, and, do, and live with and, and have experiences with these people, you know, we still don't fall outside of what God's law, you know, so we don't, you know, we don't become a, an alcoholic so we can put ourselves in alcoholic shoes. We don't, we don't do things like that, but we try to, to in, in a, as close as we can, put ourselves in their shoes to understand what they're going through without breaking the law of God. When I'm with those who are weak, I share in their weaknesses, for I want to bring the weak to Christ. Yes, I try to find common ground with everyone, doing everything I can to save some. I do everything to spread the good news and share in its blessings. And, and, I, and my, my goal in this class is to help us, in this series anyways, to get into this, this kind of mindset that, that Paul's in here of, you know, when I'm with someone or around someone, I'm going to try to, to, to be and understand what that person's going through, what they do, what they follow, as long as it doesn't, you know, as long as I don't end up, you know, sinning against God or, or breaking God's law, I'm going to do everything I can to, to bring these, bring this, someone like this to, to, to Christ. So, and then my favorite Bible verse, which I added in last week to apply this, especially with the topics that we're going through now, is John 13, 34 through 35. So now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. And, and I think that's the, the ultimate end point here is as a church and as a people, we need to make sure that we are, one, not only showing this type of love to, to each other, but to the world as well. Because if they see this, you know, this is a type of love that they're not going to see out in the world. This is not something that they're going to see on a regular basis. And so whenever they see this, it's, it's, going, to be, it's going to look different. It's going to be a love that looks different. It's going to be a, a love full of mercy and grace and kindness. And that's going to look a lot different than what we, we see in the world today. And so when they see this, they're going to know there's something, there's something different about this person. There's something, you know, some of them may say there's something off about this person, but there's something different here because this guy, this man or woman is treating me differently than, than what other people in the world do. So, and this is, I think, the end, end point here of putting ourselves in someone's shoes. It's going to take a love and a compassion and an understanding and, and, and an empathy to understand how we can reach people and how we can and bring people into Christ and then, and then ultimately, you know, work together as a, as a whole to, to, to bring people up out of things that, you know, are not good and, and, and horrible situations sometimes. So the three Christians that we looked at last week... <clears throat> So with this, the first series, we kind of looked at three, what we've considered non-churched or people who aren't familiar or never really stepped foot in the church. This one, we're looking at three Christians who, in a way, kind of came up in the church. They were part of the church, maybe from a, from a young age up. And the, the, the three that I did um, was the preacher's kid, the new kid, and then uh, maybe a look from uh, what I called a girl, from, the fem from a female woman's perspective growing up in the church. And so we, we kind of last week looked at some of the, some, sometimes the negative side effects or the, the negative things sometimes that we can see. And I, like I said, I did that on purpose. I did that on purpose on the, on the first series to not to be negative or, or to attack the church or to, to you know, talk bad about the church, but to show experiences and show things and see things that, that I personally have experienced and others have experienced growing up in the church. And then we're gonna, now this week we're going to look at some of the positive or 
some of the directions that if things continued the way they could go. And so we're going to start, on, and I'm going to start with the preacher's kid. And this one is probably the longest, long, longest one for those who weren't here last week or weren't uh, listening last week. Give me just a second. The preacher's kid's name is Chad. And so if y'all can't figure that one out, that one's me. And I just talked about some of the experience growing up. You, you, as a preacher's kid growing up in the church, you, you have a unique perspective of the inner workings of the church. And I, and, I, and I talked about some of those. And I stopped where basically about the time that I graduated from high school. And I didn't really go any further. And, and there's a reason. Because growing up in the church when you're living with mom and dad, there's rules, you're, there's, there's things that you're expected to do, and, and you, you do them, and, and at least we did for the most part, you know, not to say we never misbehaved, but I didn't. I was the perfect child. You can ask my brother and sister about that one. I never got in trouble, but no. <laughs> I saved all that for college, uh, which we're about to talk about. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but one of the things that, you know, I graduated for high school. I moved away, um, went down to Charlotte for a little bit, and then moved back up and continued my education in, in information technology. But one of the things I did is I got to Marshall, and um, we, we, I moved to Marshall University, and it's where I, I met Helen. But as a lot of times kids do, whenever they leave home and they, they're on their own, and, and you know, this doesn't speak any, any you know, negativity towards the way I was raised, but you, you're given free moral choice, and your free moral choice is to make the decisions that you, that you want to make. Well, one of those decisions that I made was, well, I still went to church some, but I, I didn't go a lot. Um, I would go, when I went back on Sundays, I'd go, but a lot of times when I, if I stayed at, um, you know, Marshall was only about a 45-minute drive from the house uh, for mom and dad's, and so there were some weekends where we just stayed there the whole weekends, and, you know, got into maybe some things that I shouldn't have gotten into, you know, you know going to bars and, and doing things like that, and I didn't go wild and crazy, but, you know, you, you, what the things is, is I was doing things that a Christian who was raised in a Christian household knew that they should not be doing. And one of the things that led to is, well, I met Helen, and we did things that we shouldn't have done. And the result of that was Helen was pre ended up pregnant. Now, there was a, at that point, I put there was one of two ways that this could have gone. Actually, there was a million ways that we could have gone. We could have said, you know what, we're going to cover this up. We could have said, you know what, we're going to, Helen's going to, we're going to have an abortion. No, me and her will be the only ones that know about it, and we'll go on. But, well, we were, we knew enough to know that we, one, could never do that, and if we did, we'd never be able to live with ourselves if we did. So we knew we had several options to, to choose from, but the main option was, look, we're going to have to go, and we're going to have to say, yes, this is what will happen, this is what we did, and this is the result. Now, I'll be honest with you. Telling my mom and dad about this was scary. I couldn't tell them, so I had to write it down. So I wrote it in a letter and gave it to them. And, but I, the, in my, my heart of hearts, I knew what that result was going to be. I mean, I knew dad wasn't going to blow up. I knew mom wasn't going to blow up. Uh, I'll be honest with you. Mom's reaction was a lot different than I thought it would be. She, there was more excitement there than there was, uh, <laughs> um, and I don't mean that in a negative way, than there was being mad at us. Uh, maybe that's just the happiness around having a grandchild but you know there was the disappointment there but I want to be honest with you with all this I feared I didn't fear going to my parents with this situation because I knew they would be there to, to support us and 
and do whatever they could for us. I was terrified of going to it forward in front of the church with this situation. And I shouldn't have been. And I wish I didn't have that feeling. But there's a reason why I did. And I, and I talked about a lot of that last week. I have seen in the past where people have gotten themselves into situations or done things that they shouldn't have done. And they've gone forward or they, they've gone you know, to the church and, and in front of the church and, and to talk about and confess, hey, look, I messed up. And it hasn't always been a positive response. I've seen where people have sometimes almost been run off, you know, because you know they come forward and say, "Hey, I did this," and instead of seeing the support that they needed or getting the support they needed, they were they were chastised and, and nasty comments said to them or or things like that. So I will be honest with you, that was I was more afraid of that Sunday morning than a lot of things I've done in my life. This could have gone one or two ways. The first, we could have gone forward and we could have confessed our sins and, and talked about the situation that we were in. And we could have had people come to us and say, told you, you know, that's what happens when you do those type of things. Or we could have, we could have had people, you know, talk bad about us or, or, or we could have had, you know, we could have been the gossip around the, the dinner table for the next couple of weeks, you know, and, and those type of things. And we could have not had gotten a lot of the support and, we could have, you know, tried to do things in the church and the church would be like, well, no, since you're in this situation, you can't do this or, or you, you've got to step away from this. And if that would have happened, and I've seen that happen in, in, in circumstances, if that would have happened, <clears throat> what do you think mine and Helen's response would have been? Okay, well, <laughs> we thought we were going to get support. We're not. So guess what? We're going to go somewhere else. We'll find someone, we will find some congregation or some place that will support us. Fortunately for us, as you can see, since I'm standing here, that didn't happen. And that first one, I'm sorry, I meant to change the slide, would have been out of fear only, right? If, if we should not have a response in the church of if, if I've sinned, or, and especially if, or if I messed up big time and I need to go and I need to confess that sin or I need to talk to someone about it, I think there should be fear there, or, or you know, there because there is there 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 should be a fear. God talks about that a fear of God in our sinfulness and in the way we are, but it shouldn't be fear alone, right? If it's just fear alone, then you really have no hope, hope, and and you really don't see a way forward or a way out. And that's what that first situation could have been. The second one situation, I I kind of named it. It said a fear. So the second situation was out of fear, but the knowledge of grace. Right, And that's where I, we, we really, I think, need to get to in a point. And that's what happened. So that Sunday morning, most nervous I've ever been in in my life. You know, Helen's, <laughs> I know Helen's, some of the comments was, we're going to end up getting a preacher fired. You know, and, and stuff, <laughs> stuff like that. Because we, we just, you know, you don't know sometimes how, how those, those things are going to play out. But what was amazing was we went forward and, you know, Dad got up and, and spoke and, and said a prayer and, it was the first Sunday that I can remember where someone went forward and no one went out the back door when services was over. Every single person, and this was about a 190 to 200 member congregation, every single person came up to the, where we were at and let us know that they were praying for us, that they were there for us, and showed us a tremendous amount of grace 
and love. And it was unlike anything I've ever seen in the church to this day, maybe because it's personal and, and I know other people have had their, hopefully, similar experiences. But that changed my outlook on a lot of things. On, and what I love more than anything, not, not that this is a good thing, but what I love more than anything was I cannot tell you the number of couples we had that came forward, you know, couples who had been married, you know, 50 years at that point, if, you know, if not and lower, I think. I don't think any of them were, were older than, had been married more than 50 years. Of how many of them, I would say it was probably five different couples who come to us and said, we were in your exact same situation. And we, can, we know what that's like, and we've, we've been there. You know, and it's not one of those things that was talked a lot about in the church because you know, those are type of things you, you kind of put under the rug and hid and, and really didn't talk about. But it was one of those things where it was nice, I think, to be able to relate to someone who, you know what, we've been in the church for a long time, the same thing happened to us, you know, because we'd, you know, we, tell, we're, we, we told everyone, look, we're going to get married, we're going to go forward with all this. And so we had all these people who had done the same thing that we had done and experienced the same thing that we had experienced. And so that, that, you still had that fear there because you were going into an unknown. But see, to see the love and grace that was shown to us in the situation we were in is, I would say, a very good reason. Not the only reason. I mean, but I think the way we were raised and stuff like that is a big part of it too. But it is a very big reason as to why we are in the church still today. Because if it had gone the other direction, then there's no telling which, where we would have gone because this is the type of reaction we need. So, and we need to see this. And, and sometimes, I'll, I'll say this, sometimes I feel like, well, we got that reaction because I was the preacher's kid, right? Or, or I got, you know, and I, I don't think that's the truth, you know, but sometimes that's in the, in the back of your mind because there's been times where you've seen people in a similar situation and they didn't get the same reaction that you, that, that you got. And so that you, you, you hope and you pray and you push for it. And this is, I think, why I'm a strong opponent, proponent of it, is when we see these type of uh, situations, and no matter what it is, is that we have that same kind of response to, to those type of people as well. And again, I'm not saying that was the only reason why, but sometimes it, you, you question sometimes when you see that kind of stuff because, it's like, well, you see another situation. Like, well, why didn't they get that same reaction? So, but that, go ahead. He is a lot older than me and has gone on to be with the Lord now, but he used to say that the church was the only place where we shoot our wounded. <laughs> yeah. and, and sometimes we do that. Yeah. I don't know that we mean to, but yeah. that's, that's the way we come across, you know. Yeah. We want to stand against sin, of course, but, but we need to show grace to the person, especially when they're coming yeah. forward to repent. Yeah, and not shoot our wounded. I think in the process sometimes, like you said, shooting our wounded, and sometimes in taking down the sin, we take down the, the sinner with them. You know? Go ahead, Steve. When, when we were at the Linden Church of Christ many, many years ago, a number of young ladies became pregnant, actually. Two, three, four of them, I think. They all got the same treatment. Loving and grace. Good. You know, I Good. Mean, people came. They, they realized the sin. They, they were young. They made a mistake. But they, same response you got, they got. So, yep. you know, in many places, that's how I've seen people treat other people in sin, basically. Yeah. Got caught in sin, sin caught up with you, whatever you want to put it. Yep. Uh, they came forward and said, hey, you know, I need help. I have an issue. And, and warm hugs and love. Yep. That was what, what you know, 
And, and I hope, and I know sometimes that's not what we see, but I hope the majority of the time this is, is what we see. And I, and I want to make sure that we, every single time, never condone the sin, right? Never be like, oh, well, you know, that, that was a good thing that you were doing. Never condone the sin. But always be there for the person that, you know, is trying to come out of that, uh, the other side of that sin, seeking grace and seeking forgiveness and, and those type of things. So That's the only option a Christian should have. Yeah. Because we're to do like Christ, and the Bible says if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive those sins, and the Bible adds later that he, he forgets them. Yep. And, and so we are to be Christ-like in that regard and, and do the same thing. Yeah, and I, and I and I we're not going to be perfect in this. You know, we we're human, and sometimes we get the emotions, and we we see someone doing something sometimes, and we're like, "How can you be so stupid?" You know, and it you know we sometimes we we react the wrong way. But I think if we push ourselves, and this is this is a this is something you have to strive to do because I don't think a lot of this sometimes comes natural. I think sometimes the natural thing to do, if, especially if you're not in, in in the church, is to have that response of, "Well, why are you so dumb? Why would you do something like that? Why would you know?" And so we have to remember that this is a practice. This is something you have to, I think, a lot of times think about first of how would I, you know, how would I want someone to treat me in this situation if I were to put my, myself in this situation. And that's what I love about this, this, my story, mine and Helen's story here is, is, you know, there's a lot of love in the church. And in most of the churches that we've been in, you know, I, I talk about the negative side of it. But, you know, it's a human institution, right? It, it's made up of humans. And so... There's going to be imperfections in it, but the one thing that's what I, why I wanted to finish with this because even with all of our our mistakes and the, the the you know how imperfect we are, we can come together and and show Christ to people even though we're not perfect, you know. And, and if we accept people like like this, and and so that's the big push I want to I want to see here is and when we run into these situations, you know, maybe it's not someone coming forward for a public you know confession. Maybe it's something you know they've they've confessed sin and they've confessed, and we need to go to them. You know, and find, okay, we, we're here for you, even though, you know, we, we, maybe we find out something. We need to make sure that we go to them and, and, and show them the love and compassion as well. So I hope that we continue to, to see this, this growth of this in the church. And, and I, I would say that, that this church in particular is very much like this. I, we see a lot of love and compassion around things when people, you know, we all mess up. Some people's messes up more public than others, but we all mess up. And we need to be there for him. So the new kid, his name was Stephen last week. I still Stephen this week. I didn't change it. Um, we're going to continue talking about him. And, and his background was he kind of came from more of a, of a, a lower-income family. You know, they were new. They, they didn't grow up in church. His parents didn't grow up in church. So they really didn't understand the, the workings and the flow of how church was and, you know, and, and the, what I call the, you know, the, your church people. And, you know, and, and so... Some of his background was, you know, he overheard some comments about the way they dress or, or some of the things they did or some of their behaviors and, and some of the acts that they had. And again, this one can go one of two ways as they, as they grow up in the church. And, and I know, you know, like for, because I've been part of, of some of the examples of some of the comments made or some of the, like Dad talked about earlier, when, when those things are said, it's not like someone's coming to that person in, in a hateful attitude. They mean it in, 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 a, in a well, in, in a good way. But it's still, it's the tone and the attitude sometimes behind it that we're, we don't put ourselves in, in these people's shoes, so we don't understand. You know, a lot of us have been born and raised in the church, so we, we know, you know, okay, you're not supposed to do certain things, or you are supposed to do certain things, or, or you know, 
have some of the, the, the unwritten rules, as, as I would call it, of, of, of ch- church and, and, and the way things go. And there's two, one of two ways it could go. If, so, if stuff like that were to continue, then there's going to be a path, I think, of what, what I put down there was resentment. All right? if, if, if you hear negative things about you or comments about maybe your brothers or your sisters or your family or, or, or things like that, then there's going to become a resentment that builds behind that. And I think that's in any situation, no matter if it's the church, a, a business, a family, no matter how that, that works out, there's going to be a little, some sort of resentment that builds if you always kind of hear these comments or, or backhanded compliments. I call them backhanded compliments because it's, you, you'll, I've, and I've heard this a million times, you'll, you'll compliment someone and be like, well, that's nice, but if you, you did, you know, something like this, or, or it's good to see you here today, but you probably, you know. And so we've got to be careful with how we approach the, these type of situations. And I know some people may say, well, Chad, you're, you're really splitting hairs here and getting mine. But this stuff makes a difference. This stuff makes a difference. And how we treat other people when they come into, the, into this building, no matter what. I mean, I don't care if someone comes in and they're in their pajamas, you know. How we treat them, you know, is, is, you know, is going to be hugely important to whether they continue and stay in the church. Dad talked about it last week of, you know, some people who out in Tulsa, you know, came in and, and they were gypsies. And, you know, some of them had long, long hair and, and you know, and, and they could have confronted them and, and said, hey, you can't look like this when you're here, you can't do this. But instead they said nothing and now they're still members of the church to this day because they kind of started to look around and say, hey, you know, I don't have a ton of people with dreadlocks or hair all the way down, you know. <laughs> we don't have that, you know. And, and so it's not to say that everyone has to conform to, to the, our standards of how things should be, but, you know, when, if you continue to comment or, 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 or nitpick or, or hit those type of things, there's going to be a resentment that builds. Or you have the, sec, uh, the second one, which kind of kind of hit on, is out of acceptance and grace. As you know, when we have people who have not been church or have grown up in the church, and you know what, they're, they're running around or they're a little rambunctious or, you know what, they get two or three plates of food out of, you know, when we have a, a get-together and, and, and take them. And, you know, instead of, you know, saying things or saying offhanded comments about them or, or, or complaining, maybe, you know, just show that love, show that acceptance, show that grace and understanding of putting yourselves in your shoes. You don't know. You, a kid might come in here. And he may grab two plates of food because, you know what, he's never seen that much food in his life and he, he barely gets one meal a day, you know. And so those are the type of things that, you know, we can teach and we can, we can show them in a, in a loving manner of how, 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 how we as Christians act or how, how we behave or how we do things. And we can do it without a, a, a I call it a self-righteous attitude. We may not be trying to be self-righteous, but in a way it's a, it's, you know, I'm, I'm good at this. This is how we do things. This is how I am, and you need to be that way too, type attitude, Dad. It happens very often that I've seen in my ministry and also in counseling families. This is in regular families, in the church family. They, what the problem is oftentimes is that they are quick to criticize when somebody does wrong, but they never pray. Yeah. They never praise them for all the good things they do. I've seen families like that. Poor kids just mom and daddy jump all over them for some little thing they do wrong, but they never praise them for doing good. And and so that has the more negative effect. If we if we're constantly praising people sincerely, 
building them up, as the Bible says, encouraging them, really praising them where we can praise them legitimately, then when we do have to come to them about a negative, they're going to be a lot more receptive to that because they know you love them and you're on their yep. team, you know? And, and, I, and that, that applies to almost any, like you said, a family, a church, a business. You know, if you're constantly criticizing someone's work or something that they do, then they're not going to, one, stay with you very long. Um, or if they do, they're going to be resentful, very resentful the entire time. And I talked about it last week from a psychological perspective. It takes five to seven positives to undo a negative. So you know, it could be the littlest criticism, but it's still going to be, you know, sometimes take five positive things said to undo that one negative. And so that's, one, some, that's why we remember for the most part, more of the negative things that happen to us than, than the positive because those, for some reason, trigger emotionally deeper into to our psyche. So we need to make sure that, yeah, well, I'm not saying we don't course correct on things. I'm not saying, you know, we don't say, hey, you know, there, there's, we shouldn't do this or, you know, talk to someone. But you need to do it in a loving way, and you need to make sure you do it out, out of a, a loving and grace-like way and also introduce a positive into that as, as well. You know, if, if you do have to say, hey, you know, we – Let's not do this, you know, but I, hey, I've noticed that you, you guys are doing really good here or, or you, you've done, you know, so that to counter that, you know, and, and, and lift up and, and to build up. And that's because you won't keep people around if there's a lot of criticism that's constantly going on. Not to say we don't need to correct, but we can't just criticize all the time. The last one, which I titled a girl, and, and the idea around this is I wanted, especially the men, and hopefully this fits in well with, with our, our, mother's, our Mother's Day theme, was to kind of think from a perspective of our, our mothers and our, and our daughters uh, growing up and, and, and being in the church. And I, I've got a couple scenarios here, I think three actually, and I, hopefully I have time to get through all of them, of different ways that growing up as a, as a girl or female in the church can go. And, and this is not just Church of Christ, this is Christendom in general, because sometimes we, we see some of these things play out that should not play out in, in, in churches. And we got to look at that. So one of the first things I talked about last week is a lot of times girls are, t for the most, not for the most part, but a lot of times in churches we'll see girls are raised or, or brought up in the church t being told what they can't do and, and not encouraged to what they can. And so <clears throat> one of the scenarios is, you know, if, if you're brought up, uh, uh, and I just named this, I, these are probably really cheesy names, but, Maybe they'll, they'll stick with you a little bit. Um, you know, it's the can't girl. If, if I'm a, a female, or not even just a female, but a person in general, and you're, and you're raised in a situation, and you're constantly told, well, you can't do this, you can't do this, you can't do this, then, and there's some good reason behind, scriptural reason behind some of these things, but it's how it's presented and how, how it's So If you're constantly told what you can't do, then you're going to you know, either believe that you can't do anything or you're going to find or, or, or going to go in a direction that finds a place where well, this is where I can go, where I'm more accepted, where I'm more you know, encouraged to do these things. And, I, and I don't get me wrong, I don't want people to get the impression that you know, growing up in, in all of our churches that you know, we're just constantly telling women that they can't do things. Because you know? that's, not, that's not the truth. But I do think sometimes we lean on that we focus more on that can't side than we do the can side. And, and I want to flip that around, and I, and I want us as a church to lift up and encourage 
people, especially, you know, we talk about this, the men, the way that the, the, if you look at a biblical structure, the men are supposed to be the spiritual leaders of the church, right? And so if we're going to be the spiritual leaders, we need to make sure that we're not pushing people down, telling them they can't do things, and we need to make sure that we are lifting people up, no matter what, female, male, lifting people up and showing them what they can do and what their spiritual responsibilities and spiritual gifts are to be and where they can use them. And that's where we need to make sure that we focus on this more than the can't side. Yes, there, there are biblical roles. There's biblical roles that have been established in the Bible. Uh, you know, not gonna, we're not going to talk about that or, or, or take, it, take away from, from those things. But, you know, and there are things that, that's specific to genders that we look at in the Bible of roles that, that should be filled. But we need to make sure that, you know, we, we follow behind that as spiritual leaders because if we're going to focus on a lot of things of what people can't do, then we better step up into those positions where we say we have to be and, and show people where, where they should go. So I want to make sure that as us as a church, we are encouraging you know, this, this particular point focuses on, on, on a female or perspective, but I want to make sure that as the men of the church and even the, the, the older women and, 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 and more experienced women in the church, that we are focusing on a way of showing, look, this is what you can do, right? This is, these are your gifts. These are the areas. Look at, look at this. Look at this. You know, lift them up. Find, help people. This is one area we need to work on, and, and I need to do a series on it. It's finding our spiritual gifts, what they actually are, and... and and encouraging people to, to grab a hold of those gifts and run with them. And, and we could just see, I always see so much growth and, and, and benefit from, from doing that. But I, I want us to be the, uh, on a positive side of encouragement when it comes to these, these things. The next one I'm going to talk about because, one, it's close to me, but I've seen this a lot too from not even inside the Christian world, but what I call, and, and it ties back to my very first uh, point in my personal experience, and this is why I put it in there. Sometimes we, you know, we'll see a, a girl who gets pregnant outside of marriage as an unwed pregnant girl, right? So she's, you know, she's sexually active outside of marriage, or she's unwed, you know, unwed, with, with a, a unwed pregnant female, or, or however we, we word it. This is the terminology that I come up. And my mindset here is, yeah, you know what? Maybe we do have, maybe we have someone who walks through our doors who comes in and she's, unwed, pregnant, and maybe doesn't even know who the father is, right? We need to make sure we change our mindset around some of these things and, and around this idea. And I use this, and I'm going to roll into my, um, um, my next point, too, of there being more of a responsibility on us sometimes than, than them. And what I mean by that is maybe we need to change our mindset around when we see something like that Maybe we need to see that as a really scared girl who needs our help. You know, if we, if we look at things like this, and, and we see a lot of this sometimes, and I talked about it last week around the, a lot of the double standards that we'll, we'll see, in, especially in Christendom sometimes when it comes to, to males versus females. Is, and sometimes we see a, well, boys will be boys type attitude. You know, and that's just the way boys behave. But then when a, if, a, if a female does something like that, then it's a completely different reaction, right? It's, oh, well, can you believe she did that? Can you believe that, that she dresses like that? Can you believe, you know, instead of going back to that, the Stephen of being there and showing them and encouraging them and, and pointing them in the right direction, sometimes we, we, we scold them. And, and I know this for a fact, and a lot of people will say that's not really, the, yeah, I, I see this to this day in, in some of our Christian organizations. 
because I, as a having a daughter and having a wife, I've seen it. I mean, this isn't a, well, Chad, you're, you're making this up, or it's, this is being exaggerated. No, I, I have seen it. You know, we have Christian organizations where if a girl gets pregnant, she gets kicked out, but a boy can have kids through another girl, and they get to stay. You know, you, you have, you know, instead of situations coming up, well, this person, you know, this happened, you know, instead of kicking them out, we should be reaching out to them and showing the Christ like love and being there for them and using that as a, as a learning ex- example for, for others of how we, you know, okay, this happened, we don't encourage it and we don't think it should happen and we're not going to say, oh, yes, you need to be doing this. We need to be there for them in, in this, these type of situations. And so, let, let me ask you, I mean, and let me ask you this question. If, if I'm in, a, in an organization and something happens and I mess up and, and I get pregnant and I get kicked out, what's my view, what's my, my thought going to be around that? All right, I'm not going to come back. I'm not going to have anything to do with that organization again, more than likely. But if we show them the grace and mercy, we, we get rid of the resentful side of things. And, and, and I, I use that as a primary example, maybe because it's close to my heart because of, of what we've been through. But there's a lot of different examples around this. It's around behavior and around dress and around the way they act. Is, you know, there has become sometimes a double standard on, you know, well, guys and men can get away with this. But girls, you know, they, they can't. You know, they, they, we expect sometimes maybe a little higher expectations out of them than, than we do ourselves, which this is hard because as men, we're supposed to be the spiritual leaders of the, of the church. So shouldn't we be held to a higher standard ourselves? And, and I think in the end, I, I think in the end, we're all going to be accountable for our own, our own sins and our own behavior. But in the end, I think as the spiritual leaders of the church, we're going to be more responsible for the way we acted and the way we behaved and the way we treated others than, than some of the others. And I could go into a whole another lesson on that, but maybe we will. So if it builds one of two things, kind of like the last time, the resentment. If I see a double standard as anyone, if anyone who sees something that's unfair or, or someone who's treated differently because of whatever, their, their family ties or their, their sex or the amount of money they have, any of that stuff, a resentment's going to grow there. And so we don't want that. We want to create a, an environment where people are lifted up, where, they, where they, they are encouraged to be who they're supposed to be and, and pushed to do the things that they're supposed to do. Whether they mess up or not, we're all going to mess up in this journey. We're all going to make mistakes, and we're all going to have problems. But it's how we treat people and how we lift each other up in the church. Or we can <coughs> lift them up, lift you know, not just the female side, but I, I wanted to focus on this sometimes because I, I see this. We can lift each other up, you know, And this is, and I'll, I'll talk to this for one second because a lot of times we like to talk about the things that women can't do in the church, right? And we'll have some really, really strong opinions about what women can't do in the church. But then you look around, and you don't have the men stepping up to do what they're supposed to be doing to fill the roles that need to be filled. And so we, in the back end still end up a lot of times with women filling the roles, not in official capacity, but doing the things because they step up. So if we're going to have not just strong opinions, if we're going to be biblical 
and we're going to do things right, and we're going to do things according to Scripture, then men need to step up and be the, the spiritual leaders that they are supposed to be and do what they're supposed to do in their households, in their churches, anywhere, at their job, so that we don't run into these situations. And I, I know that's kind of hard, and, and it being Mother's Day. Um, <clears throat> but I, I guess I've seen this a lot. You know, I, I've seen a lot of where it's like, well, women shouldn't be doing this or women shouldn't be doing that. But then you look around and you're in a church of 150 people and you don't got a single man who can step up and do it or a single man who's willing to step up and do it. So if we're going to talk about these things, especially from a men in a leadership standpoint, and we're going to, we're going to talk about this and, and, and be this way with a lot of these things, then men need to start stepping up. And I'll leave it there with that one. That, that's just that, that's a, a hard thing for me sometimes, and I see this in a, in a lot of different things. But if if we don't have, don't say we need to be a certain way or things need to be done a certain way, especially when it's supposed to be done scripturally, and then not step up to commit to doing those scriptural things and, and stepping into the role and the leadership that you're supposed to step into. I think that's highly important. So my final question then is, what will we show? Are we going to show self-righteousness or are we going to be a people of, of Christ-like and show grace and mercy and love? And, and that's the, the ultimate question because I think a lot of times this is what this, a lot of these situations boil down to. right? You, 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 some people are, can be self-righteous and when they run into situations like what we've talked about here, you know, the, the first thing is as well, you know, almost like the... the the Pharisee the, and the prayers, right? And so, oh, well, I'm glad I'm not like that. I'm glad I'm not like you and, and messed up like you did, right? Sometimes, you know, we like to say, oh, well, you know, I didn't mess up. You know, I'm glad I'm up here, you know. And when we, we, we don't need that attitude, right? We need to show love, love, mercy, and grace. And when we see someone like that, we step, we, we, we I guess, in a way, we lower ourselves to them. Because, we, you know, when someone's in that situation, a lot of times they, 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 it'll be some of the lowest points in their lives. And we don't need to be up here. Saying, oh, well, you know, it'd be nice if you could have been like me, you know. And so this is what I'm going to look at next week. So next week as we, as we roll into this, we're going to follow the lives of two different people, two different Christians, and this is going to be established, what I'm calling established or supposed to be mature Christians. And we're going to look at it from a self-righteous standpoint, Christian, and then we're going to look at it from a standpoint of a Christian who shows love and mercy and grace. Not perfect, but we're going to look at it from those two different perspectives because I want us to see maybe, maybe we have some self-righteousness in our own lives. that we don't. Because I, I think a lot of times we don't even realize sometimes how we are. And, and I think because you know, we don't see it and, and sometimes we've grown up in, in different things or we've, we've, we, we live in our bubbles, right? And so we don't see that, that action or what we're doing as self-righteous. So hopefully we can, we can kind of pull the, the curtain away a little bit or pull that bubble away and kind of look in the mirror a little bit and say, hey, are my actions, are they, are they actions of self-righteousness or are, are they, are they Christ-like actions of showing love and mercy and grace? And, and I'm hoping that we see this maybe, because I, I do this in my life. You know, I, I know I'll be driving down the road or I'll, be, I'll see something and I'll, I'll make a comment about it and... and there will be times where Helen's like, well, that's not a Christ-like attitude to have. That's, that's more of a self-righteous attitude to have. So we all have that. 
We just got to make sure that we can learn to, to point it out and see it in ourselves and, and get rid of it. Not saying we don't correct people, right? Not saying that we don't, if we see someone in sin, we don't go to them in a loving way and help correct them. But it's how we do this. Do we do it in a, in a self-righteous attitude of, man, you, you, that, that was dumb. You, you, why can't you do this? You know, you know you're supposed to do this. Why, why can't you be more like this? Or do we go to them in, a, in an attitude of, man, I, I know you messed up. I know it's hard. I know you're going through a lot right now. We're here for you. We're going to help you get back on your feet. We're going to help you, you know, whatever we got to do. You know, and, and that's, that's, that makes a huge difference. And if we can show that side of us to the world, that'll make even, even a much larger difference. So that, that's going to be the, the theme for next week. I hope you all have, have kind of liked this. This has been a little hard sometimes because you, you, you're going back and you're kind of digging up some old memories and some old experiences that maybe you don't want to want to tread through. But I always say we've got to look at and we've got to see the negative sometimes. We've got to look in the mirror to, to turn to a positive and, and go forward. So uh, that's the end of this class. I hope everyone's enjoyed it. We'll look at the difference between self-righteousness and grace next week. Thank you.